instruction for God. Yet the instructions of the Lord Jesus stand firm. He says that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, that is with all our passion, to love the Lord our God with all of our will, with all of our intellect, with all of our might, with all of our energy. For where your treasure is, there your passion will be also. See, whatever you consider most valuable, whatever you consider to be most precious, most important, that's where you're going to find your passion. That being the case, where your passion is, is up to you. Where your passion is, is up to you. It's your choice. You're the one that chooses whether you're going to be passionate about the Lord or not. We try to blame it on circumstances and situations, and we try to blame it on other people. You might even try to blame it on the devil. But if your passion for God is low, it's not anybody else's fault but yours. It's your choice. God says, you are the one that must keep your passion hot. You are the one responsible for staying fired up for the things of God. You are the one that is responsible for giving it all you got. You see, you're the one in charge of your passion. God says, it's your choice. It's your choice to serve me, to trust me, and to obey me with all your passion. He even says in Colossians, whatever you do, do it with all your heart, with all your passion as unto the Lord. But it's not only about what you can do. It's also about what you probably shouldn't do. For two weeks now, we've been looking at some reasons why Christians lose their passion. We've been learning about some patterns for living that we can avoid so that we don't lose our passion for God. We've been looking at things that might obscure or blur our 2020 vision to do God's work, God's way, for God's glory. And so we've been looking at passion killers. The first passion killer that we described was an unbalanced schedule. If we want to reignite our passion for God, then we need to avoid two different extremes. You must avoid serving so relentlessly that you burn out. But you must also avoid being constantly fed the word of God, but refusing to do nothing with it. The second passion killer was an unused talent. God gives us abilities. He gives us talents things that are uniquely you. And he wants you to use those, not for yourself, but for the benefit of other people. God says if you don't use them, you're going to lose them. That's right. 
Praise God, y'all listening. He says, if you don't use what I've given you, I'm going to give it to somebody else who will use it. If you don't use what God gave you, friend, you will lose your passion. The third passion killer was unconfessed sin. Refusing to sin, refusing to deal with sin in our life causes guilt that we have to tote around. It's baggage, and it will crash your passion. But God promises if we will admit our wrongdoing to him, then we can trust him to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and he will restore our passion. See, doing things God's way produces passion. The fourth passion killer was unresolved conflict. And we love conflict, don't we? No, we don't. Conflict kills passion. It kills passion. We found that resentment destroys, that jealousy kills, and prolonged anger only hurts us. It doesn't hurt the other guy. So for our passion to be reignited, we must learn to forgive. We've got to learn to let it go. We've got to learn to give it to God. Today we're going to discuss the last three passion killers. But first I want to share with you a few words from the Lord Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 15. That's on page 864 in the Bibles in front of you if you want to use those. In this little passage, Jesus is talking to the really religious people. He's talking to the people that went to the church every time the doors were open. These were the religious elite. These were the religious of the religious. These were the super religious people. And he says in Matthew 7, hypocrites, say that with me. That, that word just tastes sour coming out of my mouth. He says, hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, religious people, saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth they honor me with their lips, but their heart, their passion is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Three more passion killers. Here's number five. The fifth cause for a loss of passion is an unsupported lifestyle. You see, sometimes people lose their passion for God. Christians lose their passion for God because they're not spending enough time around other people, namely other believers. They're not spending enough time around other Christians who are on fire for Jesus. And if you don't hang around those kind of people, eventually you will lose your passion. That's why we always talk about life groups. How important life groups are. How important small group Bible study is. It's that small group that is so very important 
to keep your lifestyle supported. And maybe you thought, you know, I should probably do that. I should probably become part of a small group Bible study. That'd be good for me. Well, friend, today I hope that today is the day you realize I'm going to do that. I am going to do that. I'm not just should do that. Don't wait until a crisis comes to think, oh, my goodness, I wish somebody, I wish I knew somebody that I could trust. I wish I knew somebody who knew me, who I could share the situation with. Because, friend, listen, we all fail sometimes. Every one of us in this building are going to face a crisis at some time or another, and you need to have somebody that you can rely on, somebody that will support you and encourage you when you're going through that crisis. So you need to be in a small group now, amen? Don't wait until the crisis comes. Be part of that support system so that you can keep your passion for God alive even during the difficult times. But it's not just about difficult times. It's also about the good times. Did you know that God made human beings for relationships? First of all, our relationship with him, but also for our relationship with one another. We were made to be around other people, even unbelievers to a certain extent, so that we might rub off on them, so that we might be an example to them. Human beings are made for relationship. If you think about it, in prison, what's the worst thing that a, that a prison can do to you? Solitary confinement. That's exactly right. That is the worst punishment. And why is it so difficult? Because God created us to be around other people. We all need relationships with other people who are trying to live their life with passion for God. We all need to be in relationships with people who are trying to keep their passion real. We need that. Now, you probably know some people who have kept their passion for God for a long, long time. But you also probably know some people who have lost their passion for God and haven't had it in a long time. Well, those people that lose their passion for the things of God, they fall into the same predictable patterns over and over again. I've seen it. I've been here 14 years, be 15 in August. And I've seen it time and time again. And this is true. The same predictable patterns. Here's the first thing that happens. When somebody starts losing their passion for God, they stop coming to church. And I'm not talking about just coming to this building. I'm talking about showing up and being a lively part of the body of Christ. I'm talking about plugging in and connecting with Jesus and serving him in the midst of the church family. The next thing that always happens after they stop coming to church is their heart begins to grow cold. And they begin to wonder, God, where are you? Their heart grows cold, and they start feeling far from God, and they wonder, why is God so far from me? Man, I admit it. I need y'all. I need these relationships. I need these connections. I need to be in part, a part of this. I need relationships with other believers that will help me to grow that will help me to keep myself out of the ditch. Amen? Keep me on the straight and narrow. I need that. And Scripture tells us that we need that. 
In Hebrews chapter 10, the Bible teaches us to consider how we might spur one another on. How we might encourage one another. How we might love and do good deeds with one another. Let's not give up meeting together. Instead, be encouraged to be an encourager to one another. See, that's how God made you. That's how God made you. He made you to be in relationships. We need relationships in order to grow. If you don't have a support system for the way you're living in your Christian life, listen, you're going to lose your passion. It's just a matter of time. Let me share the sixth passion killer with you, which is an unclear purpose. An unclear purpose. Forgetting why you're here, forgetting about why you're here, forgetting your purpose is a sure way to kill your passion. If you don't know why you're here, why do you bother even get up in the morning? We need to know why we're here. Why would you put forth, you put forth effort to get out of bed if you didn't know why you were here? Why should you get up? Why bother? See, life without purpose is a lot of motion, but it's meaningless. Life without purpose is pointless. It doesn't have any meaning. But it's so easy to forget why we are here. It's so easy to forget why we're here on this earth Whenever we get distracted by bills and by our business and by babies and by baseball and by all those things, we forget why God put us here. Whenever you forget why God put you here, you're going to begin to lose passion for the things of God. You'll begin to develop a who cares attitude. You won't come here very often. And your heart will begin to grow cold. You see, passion and purpose go hand in hand. If you know your purpose, then you're going to be passionate about it. They go hand in hand. When you have a clear purpose, there's going to be a whole lot of passion in your life. But it's got to be God's passion. The designer's passion. Your creator's passion being manifest through you. If you're only living for you, can I tell you that's a mighty small purpose. Amen? But to reignite your passion, we need something greater than ourselves. We need a motivation far beyond our own little pitiful circle. We need something that's not just temporary, but something that's eternal to live for. Someone once wrote, Passion is waking up, hopping out of bed in the morning because you know there's something great out there for you. You know there's something that you love to do. You know there's something that you believe in. You know it's something that God made you for. It's something that you're good at. It's something bigger than just you. It's something you can hardly wait to get at again. It's something that you'd rather be doing than any other thing on the planet. It's something that you wouldn't give up for all the money in the world because it's more valuable than that. Nothing matters more 
than knowing why God put you here. Nothing matters more than knowing, friend, why God put you here. Remember why you're here. As a believer, you are here, first of all, to please God. In Isaiah 43, in verse 7, the prophet wrote, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. You're here to please God. You're here to bring glory to the Father. But you're also here to be part of his family. You're here to grow to be like his son, Jesus. You're here, friend, to serve him with those special abilities and gifts that he's given you. You're here to share the message of faith that brings eternal life to lost people so they can have the same relationship with God that you enjoy. But an unclear purpose will kill your passion. Let me give you the last one. The final passion killer is an underfed spirit. An underfed, undernourished spirit will kill your passion. You see, every day, friends, you and I face all kinds of stuff. That's what my dad calls it. My dad called it stuff. It's all that stuff you don't like that goes on through the middle of your day. Stuff. And that stuff will shrink your spirit and shrivel your passion. You'll get up tomorrow and you'll find there's going to be distractions and disappointments. You'll get up tomorrow and you'll find you're going to have conflicts, changes, and challenges. You're going to get up tomorrow and you're going to find problems and pressures. You're going to get up tomorrow and find that there are frustrations and fears and failures and fatigue. All of those things can kill your passion. So what do I do? I must learn to intentionally nourish my spirit. Are you hearing me, church? We need to nourish our spirit. You are the one responsible for nourishing your spirit. Every single day, you've got to take time to feed your spirit. And if you don't do it, nobody else is going to do it for you. You've got to do it. Find time to feed your spirit or it will shrivel up. Okay, Bill, how do I feed my spirit? Well, first of all, you need time with God every single day. Just you and him, one-on-one, -on -one, Quiet time, worship time, whatever you want to call it. But not only that, but spending time with other people, with other believers, will nourish your spirit. Reading God's word and growing in the likeness of Jesus Christ, that will nourish your spirit. Using your talents that God's given you to help other people, that will nourish your spirit. Sharing your faith in Jesus is priceless. For nourishing your spirit. But let me warn you about something. If you just choose one of these, you're going to be all out of balance. If you just choose one, you're going to be all out of whack. You see, we need them all. We need to do all those things to maintain balance and make sure we don't lose our passion. So how do I plug in to God so that my spirit will be well fed? 
Well, here's your starting point. The starting point is, is to remember how God feels about you. You know it. You just don't remember it. You know how God feels about you, but you have a tendency to forget it. Did you know that the creator of the universe is hopelessly and endlessly in love with you? He can't bear to go a single minute without you. The reason that you lose your passion about God isn't because of how God feels about you. The reason you lose your passion is because you have forgotten how God feels about you. How passionate God feels about you. And the more you begin to understand about how passionate God is about you, the more passionate you're going to get about God. But when you forget, when you forget how much God loves you, you start blowing him off. And I hate to tell you this, but I'm telling you from experience, that's what happens, friend. When you forget how much God loves you, you'll start blowing him off and you'll say, man, I just got, I got other things to do. I got to do this today. I can't go to worship because I got to do this today. You've forgotten how much God loves you. So how do we know that God is this passionate about us? How do we know that God is this in love with us? Look at one thing. The cross. Jesus stretched out his arms and they nailed him to a cross and he was saying, I am so passionately in love with you. I made you. I love you. And I would rather die than spend eternity without you. And yet we still sin. But did you know what the worst sin is? For the Christian? It's not murder. It's not stealing. It's not adultery. The worst sin is found in Revelation chapter 3, and that is the Christian being lukewarm. What does lukewarm mean? It means having no passion. Not having sufficient passion. The worst sin is saying, God is just one of the things in my life. The worst sin is saying, well, I've got my social life, I've got my career life, I've got my sexual life, I've got my family life, and then over here, I've got this little piece of my life that is my church life. This is my God life. 
That's being lukewarm. And for the Christian, that's got to be the worst sin imaginable. You cannot compartmentalize your life. God says, how dare you? I love you so passionately. I made you. I created you. I planned you. I saved you. I've got a place reserved in heaven for you. And you want to treat me with this half-hearted indifference? Saying, excuse me, but I've got other things to do. Jesus says, I'd rather you be hot or cold because this being lukewarm business makes me sick to my stomach. C.S. Lewis said it like this. He said, the only thing that Christianity cannot be is somewhat important. He said, if Jesus is God and he died on the cross for your sins and loved you that much, you owe him a little. You owe him your life. You owe him the life that you committed to him when you came to him. You owe him every minute of your life. Every spare minute you can find, you owe to Jesus. If he's not God, if he didn't die on the cross for your sins, then go on and just live your own self-centered life. The only thing Christianity cannot be is somewhat important. A life for Christ deserves your entire life. A life for Christ deserves it all or nothing at all. So how are you? How's your passion for God? You know the one that was nailed to the cross? The one who loves you exponentially and died in your place to forgive you of sin? You know the one I'm talking about, right? Because if we're honest, we got a whole multitude of gods competing for his place. But you know the one I'm talking about, right? How are you in your passion for God? Are you lukewarm? Man, you ain't hot nor cold. You're just going along for the ride. Is your passion for God meaningless? Because it's virtually non-existent? Are you just going through the motions? If you are, Jesus was kind of talking to you too. In Matthew 15 when he said, Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their heart, their passion is far from me. 
In vain they worship me. Maybe you're red hot for God. Maybe you're on fire for Jesus Christ. Ready, you're ready to give up everything else because he's your number one priority. Friend, I pray that he is because he loves you so much. He deserves for you to be red hot for him. Has there ever been a time when you are closer to God than you are right now? If so, why? Why was there a time when you were closer to God than you are right now? Why? And the bigger question is, who moved? God ain't budged. So it was us. The truth is this. You are as close to God as you choose to be. You have just as much passion for the things of God as you choose to have. You can have as much of God as you want. You can be as passionate about God as you choose to be. And if you're not passionate about God, we have to honestly say, it's my own fault. In the book of John, Jesus told his disciples that God did not send his son to earth to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. How does that happen? Well, in the preceding verse, we know that God so loved the world, he had so much passion for the world, that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Paul expanded on that good news saying, brothers, I declare to you the gospel. The good news, and it's news worthy to get excited about. It's worthy to get passionate about. It's good news. It's the word by which you stand and by which also you are saved. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and raised again on the third day, according to the scriptures. That's the how. Now the question is, will you? Friend, if you've never accepted Christ Jesus, if you've never accepted this glorious good news... You've got a great day in front of you right now. But furthermore, if there's a day where you've been closer to God than you are today, it's time for a little bit of inspection. It's time for a little bit of examination. Because the choice is up to you about who you're going to be passionate about. No matter what your concern is today, no matter what your burden is today, God wants you to know that you can come and give your life to him. And he'll be standing like this. Come, my son. Come, my daughter. Friend, you come. Let's pray.
Our Father, we praise you and thank you for your incredible, matchless love for us. Lord, you didn't just say that you loved us. You showed us that you loved us. You demonstrated your love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Father, if there's a man or a woman here today that is ready to give their lives to Christ, assuring themselves of eternal life and a relationship with you that's like none other, Lord, would you give them the courage to take one step of faith? You'll take over from there. But Lord, also, for the one who seems to have lost their passion for God, Lord, I pray that you would give them that still, soft whisper that you gave Elijah, and that, Lord, you would encourage them to make the choice to choose you, to choose to be passionate about you and about your work and your way and your glory. Father, this invitation is yours. Draw whomever you will in Jesus' name. And all God's people said.